Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Today, we're going to have another really interesting show. We have invited to be our guest, Guy Reed, who is a filmmaker and director of a film called Overview. And uh, I had the good fortune of seeing it recently in New York City at a very dear friend and colleague of mine, Alan Steinfeld's Spiritual Film Festival, that was held at the Meta Center just a few weeks back. And uh, I've asked Alan to join us on the, on the show uh, for the first few minutes to introduce um, his film festival to us all because at that festival there were a lot of really excellent films. And it's really a wonderful uh, artistic, creative, and educational forum for all the people who uh, were there. And... Uh, then we'll have Guy Reed on, and we'll speak about this film, Overview, and we'll also speak about another film that he has in the works called Continuum, which involves Peter Russell and a very large overview, ironically enough, of uh, the planet and questions of sustainability and the like. So uh, stay tuned, because it's going to be a really interesting dialogue and trilogue, if you will, uh, talking about these matters that are really so important to us as we move forward on our planet. So, Alan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Mitchell. How are you? Absolutely. Fine, Uh, thanks. Fine. Good to have uh, you on, my friend. Of course. Of course. We've been collaborating for a long time, haven't we? (laughs) Yes, Um, we have been, yes. Oh, um, decades, decades, exactly. Yes. One of the great things you've done, Alan, I mean, Alan, uh, by way of introduction, uh, while we've worked together for many, many years for On a Better World and many projects, uh, producing events in New York, etc., is the producer and host of a show called New Realities, both television like we have and radio, and he's on weekly. And he is also the um, producer of a number of events that often take place at a a local place in New York City called the Meta Center, run by a mutual friend of ours, Jody Sirota. So one of the last events, Alan, that you had, of course, is this spiritual film festival. Is this the second or third year of it? No, this is the third year, and the reason 
I started it is because, you know, film is probably our most powerful medium that we have um, to communicate yeah. with. It, it, and, I, and I've made films, and it's a beautiful um, total experience. You have the visuals, you have the audio, you have the action, you have everything that needs to come together to make some masterpiece. And so um, in some our impact. field... In the, yeah. Impact and yes, absolutely. But in the field that we're involved with, in I would call it the conscious consciousness field. Um, yeah. There is uh, it's a subculture that has its own um, media. It has its television, has its radio, and it has its film. And I feel like the film area has not been acknowledged enough because yeah. it's kind of outshined by the Hollywood uh, classics. You know, the Hollywood Glitz, action, glamour. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah. I think there's been some inroads into that market. We've had uh, things like What the Bleep, Do We Know, and um, exactly. The Secret. And um, there's been some theatrical releases of these films, but more yeah, people like need to Neil know. Yeah, like Neil Donald Walsh's film uh, based on Conversations with God, if you remember that. Um, we went to the screening, yeah, I believe, many years ago. Yeah, it was a strange film. Some of the films are great, and some of them aren't. Great, and that's okay. Sure. I mean, it takes all types. Um, yes, indeed. I it's think good just that it's happening, you... and it's good that you're highlighting it in the film festival. Right, yeah. and I think, um, you know, this particular film festival focused on themes like the one that Guy delivered, how we can take better care of the planet. There was a film yes. about fracking, yes. and there was some other films about consciousness and um, it was also the theme of spiritual teachers. I had a film about Deepak Chopra. I had a film about Trumpa that you introduced. Trumpa, uh, exactly. Yeah, I had a film yeah. about Kumari, the false guru and yeah. Um, yeah. and so the idea of teachers, the environment, how we can become more evolved spiritually um, are all part of the themes that um, make up these films, this particular film festival and um, yeah. we had a great response yeah. people really love it uh -huh. people came out we had I don't yeah. know maybe the course of the weekend 300 people there yeah. which is not a yeah. lot for a film and festival in fact but... we should really acknowledge the mm -hmm. first evening of it Alan which was a mm -hmm. mutual friend of ours like there are so many of um, mm -hmm. Emily Squires who so sadly passed on recently and in mm. memoriam you aired aired you uh, showed her film on Frederick Frank and that's right. really kind was, of what kicked the whole thing off well Think about i felt emily bit. was a very i felt close to her she was a good friend we worked on many projects we did a whole yeah. ufo event where we brought Whitley Strieber and Linda Moulton Howe uh, yeah. Richard Dolans to New York for a whole UFO weekend. She was a close friend, and she was a great person. She was uh, the first female director at Sesame Street. She helped evolve. Right, you're the producer and uh, director at Sesame Street, and then Emmy Award winning. Yeah. Yeah, six-time Emmy Award winning, and just a very decent, caring, uh, loving Dear. person. And she yeah. made this film about... Uh, Frederick Frank called The Art of Being Human, which is in a way also about her. I think any filmmaker, and you can talk to a guy about that, is making a film about their own themselves and their own beliefs. So even if it's channeled through a subject, it's still about them. So this film, yes. The Art of Being Human, 
I feel was very much about Emily and her sensibilities and that and that is what spirituality is anyway. It's not about out there metaphysical uh, possibilities. It's about the art of being human. And, yeah. Um, I'm so glad it, to hear you say beautiful. that. And it's no pun yeah. intended. It's yeah. artfully stated, yeah. and I completely agree with you. Uh, people have all sorts of rather far-flung ideas about what being spiritual is, and it really is. I, I I'll share with you. Um, I believe it's very much creating heaven on earth. We have these lofty ideas about what life could be like in our childhood visions and our latter day visions and it really is possible and all that we discover in science and neuroscience and physics metaphysics quantum physics keeps showing us the same darn thing virtually anything is possible and i think that mm-hmm. provides the platform for a spiritual perspective or purview would you say Absolutely. It's not just anything is possible. Yeah, that's a big part, but also anything is possible within each person. With, I mean, yeah. our, we have to come to a place of compassion and understanding and caring about the planet. That's what's possible. And, and we do have a chance to live in paradise here if we can just get it all together and, you know, get our exactly. act together as a, as a civilization and um, exactly. I think we have the tools to do that. You know, our friend Bruce Lipton talks about this great collective. I mean, many of the people we talk to do. Very true. And um, it's yeah. within our biology to do that, the the empathic. Um, and I think that is why people do art. And they do art because it's a way of expressing their compassion and a yeah. way of um, opening up the field to others to understand um, what it is to be human. So, I mean, I, I am, I've been writing about art, I've been studying about art, and I think art is sure. the most spiritual practice we can do because you're actually yeah. <laughs> accessing the unknown, the creative imagination that Blake, Blake called it that, William Blake, the creative imagination, yeah. is being human. So... And and going back to film, film is our most powerful art form. It's just the thing that gets us the most yeah. in the deepest well, way I'll possible. Tell you, more I, than, yes. I yeah. very much appreciate your expanded view of spiritual, and that really dovetails into uh, my appreciation of your having a film-like overview, which isn't... Mm-hmm. Um, you could say a, a spiritual film, according to what many people would think, that this might not qualify, except in the larger sense, it really does, because it's not just about, um, it's about a view, it's about almost a cosmology, and so I'm, it's really ultimately about sustainability. And I, yeah, I just... No, I, I thought Overview right? was a very important film, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we should acknowledge yeah. Guy Reed, who I just brought on to the line. Guy, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Alan. Excellent. And um, Thank hi, you. Mitchell. Hey. Great yes. to have we, you with us here. Great to have you with us. You know the reason? Guy you won know the reason? an award, correct? Yes. You, I, you granted well, him be a the film uh, festival. Talk about that. There wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a film festival if we didn't give out an award, so I decided <laughs> to... <laughs> create the award for the best sort of overview of uh, kind of 
spiritual awareness. So Guy got yeah. the first New Realities Meta Center Spiritual Film Festival Award um, for filmmaking. So um, and I, yeah, uh, I really, exactly. I really appreciate, I really appreciate um, you putting overview on the um, on the list of films and and of course giving me the award. It's um, it was such a wonderful festival and. Um, yeah, I hope that our feature film continuum can um, can be in the next festival. Yeah, well, I indeed, hope so too. I, I just have to say I was a little prejudiced for for over you because I, as a child I always wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> you know? Right, right. That was my child. That I was never my knew that. Alan. <laughs> yes, well, I don't tell that many people that. I've, I've even forgotten about it until I saw now the you film, which thousands. is thousands. Which which is the view, well, a guy can talk about it, but it's basically the view of the astronaut's um, perception of the Earth from space, and he'll go into more of that. But it was reminded me of my childhood dream, and in a sense, I, I've, I've gone out into space in that way, you know, talking about <laughs> metaphysics and all that. Yes. Um, but, yeah, no, and so it was like, oh, right, this is part of it. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. why doesn't Guy talk yeah. a little bit about the film? So, um, yeah, uh, right, right. Well, get into <laughs> that. I want to, uh, I just wanted to, you know, have you open things up with me here, Alan, and uh, mm-hmm. because you did invite Guy to participate yeah. in the film festival, and I, I really consider that festival an excellent forum for, you know, people like Guy to come forward with their wares because there just aren't usual places in the commercial media world that care mm-hmm. to see these films. Now, we know and we're witnessing this change. There's a sea change happening, and we all welcome it. But in the meantime, we want to still have forums for it, and this was one of them. So, Right, wonderful. and so there'll be another film festival next year. Maybe we'll have a uh, guy's latest film tonight if it's finished. I'm happy to have it in there. Uh, the reason I Great. saw the film was because of one of his um, associates, um, Anita, uh, no, Anahita, who's a Sufi dancer and uh, uh, I think a big part of the um, overview project, and he can talk about that. And you know, I think what Guy is doing is bringing a, a whole uh, world view, a new world view that's a, that's a pan cultural perspective. It's not isolated just to the U.S. It's, it's exactly. planetary and. And oh, so, go sure. ahead. Why don't you take sure. it away? I have, I have to actually to run back to the You have to go. You have an event happening yeah. in a little while, yeah. which is actually yeah, a very um, out-of-this-world kind of event with Mark Brinkerhoff, who I met some it, years it, back. It, yeah. It is with Mark Bringerhoff and some of his UFO experiences. Tomorrow night, if people are listening at the Meta Center again, I'll be there hosting a panel on Kundalini Awakening. So if anyone's listening, they can uh, go to my website, newrealities.com, and look up the details. Thank you, Mitchell, for Excellent. Everything. Absolutely, Alan. Okay. Thanks for coming right. on Good and guy, joining I'll us for a bit. I'll see you at the fundraiser. Don't forget to talk about that. <laughs> I will indeed. Oh, no, no, no. We will be. We will be. <laughs> Okay, okay good luck. Okay, Alan Steinfeld, thanks so much, my friend. 
so lovely to have Alan on. We've known each other for decades and uh, have done. In fact, I don't even have to ask the questions because he already reads my mind well enough to know what to answer. So that's the world <laughs> we're going into. <laughs> uh, by way of introduction, Guy Reed, I want to say a few things to the audience because I, I so love and appreciate your background. Um, Guy is... Um, considered to be an emerging leader within the sustainability and biocentric philosophy movement. He holds a master's degree in leadership in sustainable development at Forum for the Future in London. He is British and graduating with the Richard Sandberg Prize for Leadership in Sustainable Development. He also attended London University's School of Oriental and African Studies so interesting where he was also reading Eastern philosophy and religion, and we'll be getting into that as well, especially Tibetan Buddhism with a focus on Tibetan Buddhism, which I have also had in my life, as well as the relationship between ecology and religion. Um, Look Deeper Planetary Collective is a group that I believe he helped to form, a group of filmmakers, visual media creatives, and thinkers who work with cosmologists, ecologists, and philosophers to explore some of the big questions facing our planet at this time. Embracing a multidisciplinary, multimedia approach, this collective brings together scientists, design, uh, designers, researchers, and others, decoders, if you will, to bring forth new perspectives to audiences around the world in fresh and innovative ways. We'll be talking about his first film, Overview, and also touching upon his larger feature film called Continuum, and we'll be discussing both of these in uh, the rest of today's show. So, Guy, I'm so pleased to have you on today. Oh, Mitchell, well, it's, a, it's such a pleasure, and um, I really appreciate all of your kind words. Um, it really means a lot to me to hear, to hear um, you know, your, your appreciation for Overview. Yes, well, thank you, thank you, absolutely. What's so interesting is uh, that uh, to the audience, it's so interesting, uh, Guy was telling me just earlier that the film has gone viral, virtually viral. Uh, yesterday, Guy, did you have some 45,000 hits on YouTube, and today about 103,000, is that it? Actually, yeah, it was it was two days ago. It was forty five thousand. Yesterday, it was one hundred and three thousand. And today, we're not sure of the statistics because uh, Vimeo haven't updated it yet. But it looks like it will be the same sort of figure. So we're rapidly approaching uh, three quarters of a million views, which in oh, that's you know, in six weeks, it's um, we had no idea, absolutely no idea that we would we would get anything like that amount of views. So it's it's fantastic. Awesome. It's fantastic. Now, if you notice that I dip into a bit of my British accent from time to time, it's just because, <laughs> like Woody Allen and Zelig, I tend to impersonate the people with whom I'm talking. So right, right. It's actually right. a compliment. What? <laughs> okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's just well, part well, of the fun, you know. If I spill <laughs> tea on my lap, however, that will be another story. <laughs> Oh, I'm just having fun. I'm just that type, you know, guy. So yeah. listen, let's, let's come back to the film because uh, you know you've worked hard and you've got this this literally gorgeous background bringing together uh, the media arts. As Alan and I were both talking about the importance of of film as today's medium. I mean, it's very obvious that 
we're visual as a species. And Indeed. it's emerged Indeed. so powerfully these days. And your film is like a beautiful testament, if you will, to it. And why don't you first tell our audience a little bit about the film, what it consists of, and what it's about? Well, the film um, is a 20-minute film. It's available on Vimeo, so you can just Google overview Vimeo, and you can find the film. It's the one that comes up first. And it's basically a film about the first time astronauts see the Earth from space. And when, when you consider the profound implications of seeing the Earth from space and the experience um, that each astronaut goes through, um, philosopher Frank White, who's in the film, who's at Harvard, he coined the term the overview effect. And it's basically... Um, it's it's this very very powerful feeling that that basically transforms astronauts' view of the Earth and their relationship to it, and they feel a great sense of interdependence, connection, and care for the Earth. Um, and so, so what what we wanted to do is we wanted to Frank published this work decades ago. Um, yet it hasn't really been picked up, and it's such a strange thing that it hasn't. Um, because, of course, hardly, when, when people question, um, when, they, when, they, when they ask questions to astronauts, they're often concerned about the experiments that astronauts are doing in space, or they're interested in how astronauts live in space, and very few people ask the very obvious question, what does our beautiful planet look like? And so we wanted to um, make a very short um, concise, concise film where we, we spoke yeah. to five different astronauts and three different philosophers and we wanted to just investigate what this overview effect what, what, what are the profound implications it has on, um, on humankind and, um, and we, had a, we basically had a dream to do it and we had no budget whatsoever and we went on a road <laughs> trip around America and we were doing some freelance work and um, uh, for, back in England we were doing stuff online and we were going through um, going through the country and basically visiting astronauts and um, and interviewing them. And uh, NASA was incredibly helpful because we contacted someone at NASA who um, who really understood what this overview experience is is all about. And they were so helpful. And they we we, we they gave us astronauts fresh from space. Um, we had a wonderful Ron Garan who um, is just a profound. Um, a profoundly amazing man. He, um, I mean, like most astronauts, he's incredibly qualified. But he's also started a fantastic NGO called Fragile Oasis, which I would encourage anyone to look at. Um, and Ron was up on the space station for six months, and he took up his camera. He persuaded NASA to let him take up the camera, and he got these gorgeous time-lapse time shots of the Earth from space. And he mm. gave us that footage, and we could use it. Um, so on, on the film, when you see this incredible footage of the Earth, so a lot of people have said to us, is this 3D animation? And it's not. It's exactly straight out of the camera. It hasn't really even been processed um, in terms of color. So you're mm. looking at this incredible, incredible um, you know, view of the Earth. And, of course, when I said to Ron, you know, you know, how does it compare in real life? He said, well, it's even more incredibly profound and beautiful. Oh. Um, but, but yeah, so 
So we we basically that we're in the, there's only three of us in our collective at the moment. We're, we're expanding, uh-huh. we're trying to bring in some more people. And there's um, yeah. there's myself, and I'm the director. And then there's Steve Kennedy, who's a fantastic editor, and he's one of he's my best friend. I grew up with him. And then there's oh, Christoph Firstad, who's a phenomenal cinematographer. And so the three of us we got together um, at university, and we've been trying to get this film out for a while. Um, yeah, and so and and, and, and now it's, it's out. Uh, so yeah, just now, for the sake of the out. audience, I, I want you to all understand that Guy didn't go up in one of the capsules himself, <laughs> but he did go to NASA, and NASA was really, as I remember, you're telling the story, Guy, quite um, pleased that someone was expressing interest in the footage of the Earth from the point of view of the moon and space. And as what came out, and it's, you know, at the beginning of the film, the point is made. When we went up there, no one was thinking that we were going primarily to look back at Earth from space, but rather to go and see what we would find there on the moon. But the point is made, I don't remember if it was Frank White or whomever, one of the other astronauts who said maybe the entire point of the trip was not to traipse about on the among the craters of the moon itself, but to really gaze back at Earth. And that's exactly. a very beautiful and powerful point because we know that when we look at something from the macro view, we get a deeper appreciation of what it is. You know, when you see an entire landscape, for instance, it factors in so many. And of course, when you come up to the micro level of detail, that has its own fascination, no question. But when you kind of sit back and have a a cosmological purview, if you will, isn't there a, a delicious richness to that? Yes. I mean, we... Our, our feature documentary, Continuum, deals with precisely yeah. this. It deals with the really big picture. And, yeah. um, and looking at our current situation from the, through the lens of deep time, and deep time meaning this profound um, s- stretch of time, you know, 13.7 yeah. billion years, of, of, of cosmic unfolding, of, of this yeah. evolution of, of the cosmos, the evolution of, of life, the evolution of humanity. And it's to look from the point processes. From the point of what we refer to as the Big Bang, that is. Exactly. So, so it's, yeah. it's looking at these, these processes which we usually think of as separate, yeah. as a continuum. And because when yeah. we do that, then our identity it starts to shift a little bit, and we start to consider ourselves in a totally different way. Because yeah. if we've come out of this evolutionary continuum, and um, we've literally, um, we, are, we are inseparable from the planetary system and from, yeah. and from the cosmos as a whole. And so continuum is basically, I mean, we, our main kind of thesis for the film is that you know, the root cause of the environmental and social crises that face us ever more every day yeah. The root cause of it is this misperception that we're separate. This misperception yeah. that we're separate from each other, from the biosphere, and from the cosmos as a whole. And really, the real solution, I think, lies in pointing to this 
non-apparent reality, um, pointing to this emerging worldview that really discloses our radical interdependence. And yes. I, I think that that's the main premise of Continuum, and we come at it from lots of different perspectives. We also have Ron Garin is, is back. We also have David Lloyd, who's back. He's from, they're both in Overview. But then we've combined it with these multiple different voices. We have the, the incredible... Peter Russell. Peter Russell. And Peter Russellism is, I'll come back to that in a little bit and tell you the story uh, in a little bit about how Steve and I actually wrote Continuum. Because we actually wrote it 13 years ago when we were 15. And it was all because of Peter Russell's book. But what I, I would just say before that is, is we've got people like... Um, we've got bio, biomimicry specialists, engineers yes. who reverse engineer um, uh, the way nature um, has, has, able to, has been able to create you know, phenomenal processes and, and take that and reverse yes. engineer it. Um, we've, got, we've got the 17th Karmapa, who is the, one of the great spiritual leaders of the Tibetan people, and mm -hmm. he is just phenomenal. I mean, oh, we were here in the, in the Himalayas. Yeah, and he's 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 just incredible. Um, mm -hmm. We have we have a multitude of these different voices over thirty interviews. Now, is this, the, is this the Karmapa selected by the Tibetans or by the Chinese? This, this is this is the Karmapa selected by Kai Situpa Rinpoche, um, who is um, one of the the preeminent uh, Karmakagyu uh, tulkus um, in mm -hmm. the Tibetan tradition. In the in the um, and and the 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 Karmapa is. He is, he's young. He's 27. Yeah. Um, he might, he might be 28 now, actually. And I, that, he's the same age as me. He's actually six months younger than me. So we're interviewing him. <laughs> was fascinating because I have sure. never, we've never done an interview like it. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how phenomenally clear his mind is. I, I've never experienced it before in my life. And that's it's not just some sort of, it's not some sort of. Um, um, you know, superficial devotion or something like this. It was I, I was interviewing him as a filmmaker. I am a Buddhist practitioner, but I, I met him initially as a Buddhist practitioner, but I interviewed him as a filmmaker. And the way I kind of yeah. see interviewing, it's a bit like a haircut. You know, you go into the hairdressers and you can have a nice conversation, but ultimately you've got to leave with a good haircut. So the hairdresser needs yeah. to be able to, you know, it needs, it needs to be able to move your head and, you know, chop your hair and tell you bob and weave you know. <laughs> exactly yeah. but, with, with, but with his holiness sure. with, his, with his holiness there was no need for that um, he spoke for an hour perfectly um, incredibly uh, profound words I mean mm. I, 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 mm. yeah, I, I actually find it difficult to even try to sum it up because it's impossible well anyway, I think that that should be yeah. an invitation for people to uh Go when the film is ready, see it. I want to pause for a moment here, guys, to let people know that you are listening to A Better World Radio with Mitchell J. Rabin. And our guest today for the hour is Guy Reed, filmmaker of the film we're speaking of, both films, Overview. Uh, which just went viral online, folks. So make sure you go to see it. We have it on our website. Or I think we have a link to it at abetterworld.tv. And if you're not yet part of a Better World uh, community, where we have a weekly newsletter and letting you all know about our weekly radio and TV shows and a whole lot more, please go to abetterworld.tv and sign up for it. It's free and it's delightful and it only comes out once a week. And uh, 
we will be continuing now with Guy Reed talking about these things. Rita, I want to back off a little bit and go back into a, the fundamental point you said was behind this film overview, which, by the way, for all to know, it is an exquisite compendium and sequencing of shots from the moon, from space, of Earth, and of space, to whatever extent you can see it, and some moon shots, and inside various capsules. Um, so it's very NASA-like, if you will, but it's interspersed with um, clips of, of uh, really thoughtful commentaries by people like Edgar Mitchell, uh, one of the first astronauts to walk on the moon, and we had him on A Better World TV, for instance, back in the mid-90s, and a number of other luminous speakers about, uh, mainly astronauts, speaking about their direct experience and cognition of the Earth as they looked through the window. And even putting windows in was an interesting moment in NASA history. They insisted at a certain point that windows be put into the capsule so Earth and around can be seen. But you mentioned something very uh, salient, I feel, Guy, which is this notion of separateness, that there's mm. something about our human perception as we come out of the womb, as we experience our body, we come to know our ego, the way we then relate to all of life. We know that we're part of a family. We know mm. our family lives on a block, and we know that block is part of a village or a town or a city or, a, you know, a farming community. Do you know, we have different con levels of connectedness to the world around us, but there's something about either the structure of our brain or the structure of the way it's been taught to us how it works and how we should relate to it, that we have this inner experience of being not only separate but also alone, alone in the universe. Mm -hmm. Yet other perceptions of ours are in utter contradistinction to that and show us that we're wholly connected to the species, to the planet. If we don't eat from her fruits, we will perish. If we don't drink of her waters, we will die. Do you know what I mean? If we don't give love to others, we will feel meaningless. On and on and on. It's so, as you say, and which is, of course, a fundamental Buddhist principle of interdependence. And I'm just curious if in your wanderings through Tibetan Buddhism and through your um, studying the work of Peter Russell, what have you come to about why you think this fundamental perception perception is there in our consciousness? Well, I think that's an incredibly um, profound question. I think if I think ultimately it is the question because yes. you've got to you've got to remember that there's there's no time in our lives where we have been separate from each other from the biosphere and from the Right. The very universe itself. Yet, like you said, it's actually it is, an impossible idea if you really think exactly. about it. Right? It's, of, of course, it's completely impossible. Yeah. Yet, our whole sense of who we are 
is yeah. based upon this fundamental misperception. And, and, and in the Sanskrit tradition, in, in, the, um, in the Buddhist tradition, in, in Sanskrit, the term avidya is used. Vidya means to see yeah. clearly, to know deeply. And A negates it. So it's, it's basically to not see the way things are. And within, within the Buddhist tradition, there's this idea that deep down we, we are not seeing the reality of our situation. Yes. And of course, the good news is, is that the reality of our situation is quite incredible. I mean, think yeah. about it like this. If you, if you hold down the rewind button and you rewind our universe, you go right the way back and you have this bursting forth of light, space, time, and you have the emergence of simple atomic structures like hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And you leave hydrogen for 13.7 billion years. And here we are, two bipedal apes, have emerged from a biosphere, profoundly, <laughs> intricately complex, beautiful biosphere, sitting in the middle of a galaxy, talking about this process. Right. It's, it's, it's you know, phenomenal. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty far out. And, and the it's thing about totally it, far out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the question that I've always never got my head around is why aren't we talking about this? It's phenomenal. <laughs> you want to run down the street and say to people. You know, you are, you are not who you think you are. You know, you are actually exactly. part of something so phenomenal, so profound. And really all it is, is it's about coming back to our minds, coming back to our, to our awareness and investigating our awareness. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's this wonderful, um, uh, amazing revolution happening now with mindfulness. You know, we're seeing mindfulness in prisons, mindfulness in schools. I was just at a school, a fantastic school in Chicago. The development of over. compassion as well is exactly. very much, you could say, on the upswing, which shows up even in things like the Arab Spring or in mm. the Occupy movement. So it's on the ground in people's minds. I mean, mainstream people, because if you look at the basis of these kinds of movements, it's a call, a compassionate call for justice and equity among all beings. Right? That's the exactly. heartbeat of That's what is going on on this planet. A good friend of mine uh, who uh, is also our webmaster, David Katzmeyer, uh, he developed something called Calorhythms Guy, and in it mm-hmm. um, there are the swings up and down the ebb and flow of intellectual, emotional, physical, and spiritual cycles for a given nation or f- and for the entire planet. And it shows that we are in a time when there's an upswing of the emotional space so and replacing by the way the physical which tends to emphasize militarism and physicality and brawn over brain and the like but compassion is what's arising now so i just wanted to say that to sort of undergird the points that you and i are making here well i think that's it's it's such a such an important point because ultimately compassion is is it's the reflex of the realization of interdependence. That's right. Now once you once you really deep down get. 
Right. Get get it, right? It's very, very yeah. difficult to start treating people as objects. Because yeah. because and, and and this is the thing. You know, when we look at great teachers like His Holiness Kamapa, like His Holiness uh, Dalai Lama, you know, yeah. like Tichnat Han, these great you know, and, and, and not just from the Buddhist tradition, from all the great wisdom traditions. And you see these individuals who really they really have turned it around and they no longer see themselves as the center of every, everything, but they see themselves as arising in this interdependent, vastly um, intricate, exquisite universe. And the natural reflex of that realization is to treat everyone else with the same care and concern that you would treat yourself with. Because no longer exactly. is yourself locked into this, you know, as Alan Watts said, the, Alan Watts, the skin encapsulated ego. Rather, you start to identify with these greater centers. And so it's going from, you know, and it's, it's, it's starting to identify with all life. Yeah. And then it's starting to identify with, you know, the whole process, the whole continuum. Um, and, and really, I think if, if we want to solve these massive obstacles of epic proportions that we face in the next 200 years, the next 100 is even the next 50 years, we really need to start to look at how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves in relation to each other. And, and when I say each other, I don't just mean human beings. I'm talking about all of life. Exactly. Um, exactly. What we talk about in the Buddhist tradition as all sentient life, correct? Exactly, exactly, exactly. All life forms, and everything, folks, is included, including the rock you may have in your backyard. <laughs> you know, it has a slower life cycle. It might be a little denser, but it's no less one of us. <laughs> you know, I really want to extend it out to the furthest parameter. Yeah, I mean, the thing, I think the thing that's really fascinating is what happens when you see the whole universe through, yes. this, through this lens. Because suddenly, what, what's, where's the line between animate and inanimate? It, it gets very yeah. blurry. It gets very Yes, blurry. it does. Exactly. It really um, does. And that's a really important thing. So your film, this one, the one I've seen, of course, I've seen the, um, the short um, just synopsis of Continuum. But overview is really, I, I, you know what, I feel like going back to something that I feel is really very important, which is mm. when we look at the world from the Ptolemaic point of view of geocentricity, where we mm. were the center of mm. our existence and our solar system. And we actually thought that the sun revolves around the earth you know it's like right. you can almost parallel it with the development with childhood development an infant sees itself as the center and if it doesn't see it it surely wants to be the center of its parents life right of all life for that matter everything is in a sense reduced to what it can put in its mouth what it can put its hands on and squeeze and play with Right, and um, as the child grows up, you see that they start to step outside of themselves 
and look at the world from this, you could say, expanded point of view, where they are not the center of all things, but they are a part of, an interdependent part of. Where you can also see us moving from a geocentric to a heliocentric paradigm as a similar kind of evolutionary developmental model. Do you know? I never quite put it this way, but it makes perfect parallel sense. And as we go on and on, we see that there actually is no center at all, (laughs) that we are all part in this exquisite way, as you keep saying, Guy, of this magnificent orchestration called the universe. And we're all an important part of the whole. And it's just interesting to look at this when the more you step out of yourself, the more you can actually enter the space of somebody else. And you don't know this about me, but uh, as a as a holistic psychotherapist, I I do a practice called therapeutic or transformational theater. And at its base is this idea of stepping into somebody else's shoes, to see the mm-hmm. world from someone else's shoes, i.e. to be empathetic or empathic. And that shifts everything. It shifts relationships, it shifts communications, it shifts perspectives, and it allows people to feel generous where they may have felt selfish because they didn't understand the true connectedness of all beings. And I think I think the other thing, the other word that I think is so important in all of this is appreciation. Yes. Because I think I think I think when you do, like you said, the the process of, of trying to imagine other people's perspective, to be in yeah. you know, someone else's shoes, what I think starts to dawn is an appreciation for one's life. And I think yeah. the main the main thing that really um if you could sum up overview and you could sum up continuum and you could sum up the general um mission of planetary collective it's about appreciating your life. You bet. It's simple as that. The oh, simple boy. appreciation of one's life. Because when you start to look at what what your life is, you really that's where you start to see how you're connected to everything else. And so your life then becomes all life. And yeah. so there was, there's a great um, Mizumi Roshi, one of the great Zen masters of the 20th century, uh, the teacher of Bernie Glassman, who's a fantastic uh, Zen social yes. activist, um, who's sure. in Continuum. He's got mm-hmm. this book. It's one of my favorite Dharma books, and it's just called Appreciate Your Life. And for me, that's mm. that's, that's it. Because oh. the astronauts, they come up, you know, they turn around and they look out the window, and what is it they feel? They feel this great sense of appreciation. <laughs> oh, you are so on it. That's I I live in that space. I know it well. <laughs> and next to enthusi- next to appreciation is gratitude, which exactly. is sort of its undergirding, if you will. And next to that is also enthusiasm. And if you look at the etymology of the word enthusiasm, you will find God in it, and essentially the love of God. However, by the way, that God is understood by the speaker or the thinker, or I should say the appreciator. <laughs> you know, it's not some kind of 
set notion set out by some religion, but rather much broader than any of that, you know. But no, I, I completely. I'm, this is going to sound redundant, but I appreciate your words because <laughs> they they really speak to the heart of the matter. Talking about hearts of the matter, I, I just wanted to check in with you that you were following my sequencing of the growth of an infant into adulthood, paralleling our going from a geocentric to a heliocentric, and now this film. I think, and other work that's going on these days in science and beyond is indicating that it's far beyond even heliocentric. In fact, mm. they have found that our solar system is one of many that's swirling around a galactic, for lack of a better word, center, and that our perspective is changing again. So our mind follows the changes occurring in the overall morphogenetic field, you know? Completely. And I think, I think the thing, I, I really like your, um, your analogy there um, about, you know, the, the parallel development between the emergence of a heliocentric worldview out of the geocentric worldview and then yeah. this emergence of, like, an, you know, adulthood where, where yeah. one starts to really appreciate that, you know, I'm not the center of everything. And I think, you know, I think that we're, just like you said, I think we're at this new dawn of human, of human awareness where we're starting to realize that if we don't see ourselves as, if we don't see ourselves in this light, we're going to get into some really big trouble. And it's already happening. It's already happening. Yeah. But I think the thing that's so fascinating... You're going exactly where I wanted to go next, which is into the question of ecology and sustainability. So if if that's not proof of one mind, again, I don't know what is. (laughs) Please pick up on that. That's a very important thread here. Well, I mean, the thing thing for me about um, the kind of this this new age that we have to to really go through... um, one of one of the other interviewees um, in Continuum, one of my great great heroes, Joanna Macy, the uh, Buddhist yeah. ecological uh, philosopher, she yeah. has this term, the great the great turning. And for her, the great turning is this period in history where we go from what we might call an industrial growth society to a life sustaining society. And yeah. and what does that really mean? But when astronauts look out the window, they don't see the economy. When they look out the window, they see the biosphere. And so it becomes radically (laughs) They don't see an economy. That's funny. The thing that they see is they see the primary reference system. They see our mother. They see our our home. They see Earth. Right. And And so it's very apparent then that we, as a, as, a, as a species, are a subsystem within this larger planetary system. And then, of course, we have constructed society. And in turn, society has constructed an economy. And it's not to say that the constructs of society and economy are not useful and, and, and important. Of course they are. But it's, sure. what it's to do is it's to reframe the positioning. And what That's we right. should have is biosphere society economy not the other way around 
And if we think that our primary system now, the most important thing is the economy. Is economy, right. But of course, and then society and then the biosphere, but of course it's, it's completely upside down. And so Absolutely. I think the emergence into a life-sustaining society is where we really realize our embeddedness. And all it is, it's, a, it's just clarity. The astronauts go up there and they see it. I mean, you can't get any clearer. You look That's and right. you see this, this, this whole earth, and with the, which contains all of life. And to, the idea that our economy is somehow, um, you know, the, the whole biosphere is a resource just for our economy, which is a construct of a species that's very, very new to this planet. Very, very new. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually, I think, it's a, it's, 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 it's a cancerous way of living. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, by doing this, we act like a planetary cancer. Parasite. Um, and a, yep. a, exactly, a parasite. And um, this was a concept that was introduced to me back when I was 15, with not just me, but my best friend Steve, who I'm, I made, uh, we Steve and I wrote all the films together, um, uh, and 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 Christoph, who's our cinematographer, basically made it happen, made it a reality. So yeah. we were introduced to this idea of, of humanity as a planetary cancer in Peter Russell's book published in 1982 called The Awakening Earth. Although it was then later okay. published as The Global Brain Awakens. The Global Brain, um, right? Yeah. The Global Brain. Yeah. That's how I knew it. Yeah. In America, it was the global brain. In England, it was the awakening earth. And then now, it's called the global. It's called the the, um, the global brain awakens. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic. But 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 Peter Russell's um, interesting point is that it doesn't have to be like this. You know, we 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 if we think of ourselves as separate, like the cancer cell in the body, when it when it doesn't see that it's part of the whole, it reproduces and reproduces, and we get the growth of tumors and what have you. And and similarly, we're doing that now on the planet. But actually, what's quite fascinating is that if we flip it all round to this perspective of a life-sustaining society, then we we really start to realise that um, we 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 can become something so profound. And what Peter Russell talks about is he talks about us being like neurons. If the whole planet is like, a, is like an organism, and lots of the astronauts have said this to us, they go up there, yeah. and these guys, I mean, I'm talking about these guys, are, are, they're PhDs in cosmology and physics. They really know their stuff. Astrophysics, they there, exactly. Yeah. They go up there and they say it looks alive. It looks like yeah. a living organism. And if, if we treat it and think of it, as a living organism, which you know, which the Gaia theory, um, sure, is, you know that that's the main kind of driver exactly. of the theory of planet. Right. Then what is the function of humanity? And if it's at the moment it's carcinogenic, it's a cancer, a parasite. What could it become? Well, Peter Russell says we are like neurons. We are the way the Gaia knows about herself. Yes. And these neurons can actually we're actually becoming far more connected, and we've become much more populous. You know, my grandmother was born in 1922. In 1922, there was uh, less than a third of the people on the planet. Correct. There wasn't radio was broadcast when she was yeah. six months old. And I, I was in Hawaii, and she, she emailed me a video through space that I got on my smartphone. And when she was born, there was no radio. <laughs> right. Right. 
So, you know, when people think that nothing's going to change, they're really mistaken because in one human life, the change that she saw was just... Oh, is remarkable. But we want to make a distinction. Your point is very well made on that level. We can see that through scientific research uh, and development, discoveries, technology has changed massively. But I will wager that... And not happily, that the human being hasn't actually changed a whole lot at all. I would actually and have made um, an unhappy argument that history is really a repeat performance. And, you know, it just keeps happening. And the emotional, psychological um, tenor of humans is just not that different. Now, there are changes that are happening, and I think that science is largely leading the way, and a lot of it is in the domain of neuroscience, as well as Mm. in film, to be able to look back like what your film is all about, to show us us, and what you were were kind of um, circling around when you were talking about Peter Russell and us as neurons, is this self-aware idea that we are neurons aware of neurons. Mm. And that changes the game, you know, because as soon as you become self-aware, you can begin to take responsibility for what you do in a whole other way. So it's, you know, look, the first Apollo spacecraft was in the 60s, and we still have not quite allowed that imagery to filter down and filter into the core of our psyche and soul. I feel, by the way, that your film, because it's so focalized on the imagery of Earth and its incredible beauty, and as a living organism, with the commentaries, that this is going to reach people's no pun intended, solar plexus in a very (laughs) profound way, and there will be no escaping, and your film is helping to make this happen. And I think this is one of the reasons it's gone viral, is because there's no escaping the reality that we are on a spaceship, and we are soiling our spaceship. Can you imagine not cleaning your home, or, you know, soiling it from room to room? It's, It's unheard of. But that, in, a, in fact, is what we're doing to our planet when you move from the fractal image outward. And it's, it's a profound change in consciousness that needs to happen so that we become stewards the way I think that that's really our calling on this planet, to become stewards. I want to just add something else based on something that you said, Guy, when you talked about the economy and the biosphere and what is and society and what is seen. And, of course, it's the biosphere is what's seen. And um, not you can't see the economy because the economy is an abstraction. As you said, it's a construct. And there's no thing that's really an economy. There's just a bunch of agreements and actions. Mm. There are mm, agreements exactly. that, are, okay, 
if you want to really get down to it, there are agreements that take place through words. There are actions that follow the agreements that are either in accord with the agreement or they're not in accord, which will lead, of course, to uh, discord. <laughs> and um, Or people are in accord. And, um, and out of those series of actions worldwide, we say we have this thing called an economy, which is basically a series of behaviors that people uh, perform that they do or not do relative to their own sustenance. And um, that's really all it is. It's an abstract notion, but it's nothing actually concrete and real, like the biosphere, you know, like eating food and loving each other and holding hands and laughing with each other. You know, you could be an astronaut and look down and you could peer into people's lives and those are the things that you'll be seeing, right? Mm. Well, I want to I want to kind of pick up something that um that you talked about 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 the nature of humanity. Um Please. this idea that history is repeating itself. Yes. And while while there is a huge amount of evidence to point to this. Yes. You've got to remember something. And I think it's it's something that the overview is basically um it, it it's it's the whole point of overview. In nineteen sixty eight on Apollo eight, Bill Anders took out his camera and snapped a picture and had no idea what he was doing. Yes. It, it, well, meaning meaning he didn't understand the implications of what he had done. Which he took right. a picture of famous Earthrise. And this picture has had such a profound um profound implications on human consciousness. For us to see the earth, certainly Western industrial human consciousness. Yes. To see the earth as this whole see the earth as, as this beautiful blue pearl in the velvety um, the velvety, you know, uh, uh, landscape of, um, of the stars. Right. Yeah, it's 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 just incredible. And I think that this image has really affected the way that we understand ourselves. I mean, I was born in 1984. I've always grown up with that image. Yes. It's it's. I've never not known that. That's right. That's myself, awesome. <laughs> I think to myself, what about my grandmother when she was my age? Yeah. She had absolutely no idea. None. Not to say she didn't know that the, we were on a planet, but just to, like you said earlier, we're visual beings. And of course, this yeah. is the reason why we make films. We're visual beings. And so to see the Earth... So, for example, in 1987, Frank White, who's in Overview, he coined the term the Overview Effect. And his work yes. is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, it really is. And And... And he basically has not been given the attention that he so deserves. True deserves, truly deserves, yeah. For decades, for decades. And he worked with astronauts. He, I mean, he is just he's a great inspiration to me. He's in, he, his persistence is phenomenal. And it was only until, I mean, I, I don't know the sales of his book, but we're not talking more than, more than 50,000, right? Actually, we're mm -hmm. talking less, I think. Oh, my in two decades, in two decades. Mm. Yet, in six weeks, we've now got 750,000 people 
who now know about the Ozu effect. Oh my in god! In six weeks. That and is so phenomenal. and so it was. Uh, and and the thing is, is that it's just putting in this visual frame, so that we yes. can understand it. And it's about these big exactly. emotive ideas. And this right. is what we need to focus on. We need to have a clear vision of where we're going, and we need to have a clear vision of where we're from. And most importantly, we need a clear vision of where we're at. Yes. And, and, and this is what continuum addresses. A continuum is essentially that. It's looking at the big picture. It's zooming out even further, right the way to the edges of our galaxy, right the way yeah. back to, 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 the, to, to the, you know, billions and billions of galaxies. And it's starting to say, wow, we're starting to really wake up to who and what we are. And when I say we, what I mean by that is I'm talking about post-industrial Western civilization. Because really, this understanding of the Earth, this understanding has actually been embedded into human cultures going right the way back to, to, to the beginnings of human history. Exactly. If you look at Buddhist civilization, if you look at the profound wisdom traditions of the Earth, the great indigenous peoples of the earth, they understood this very, yes, very clearly. Exactly, but that's a very interesting point and observation. I mean, the Dogon of Africa, who didn't have a telescope, understood the dog star Sirius in ways that the astronomers even today may not fully cognize. So your point is completely well made. I would say that even that photograph that was taken um, hasn't, that's what I was saying before, hasn't fully penetrated our human mm. psyche because just like Frank's book should have penetrated and the experience of the astronauts should have penetrated and the work of the Institute for Noetic Science, which was the birth child of of uh, Edgar Mitchell and a good friend of mine's father funded it back in the early 70s should have penetrated <coughs> people's minds remain a little bit too much like Teflon and it's not absorbent like a good sponge but but bouncing off and not letting the light of the image penetrate however your film as I was saying before, Guy, has focalized a lot of imagery, including that original, look, A Better World, which is my organization, it's the name of my radio and TV shows, for 20 years, I use that Apollo image as our logo. So, mm. <laughs> listen, I've been on board <laughs> this spaceship for a long time, you know, and I knew the world because I, I wasn't born in 1968, but before that. So I knew the world prior to that, and I'm telling you that what you're saying now about indigenous wisdom, spiritual wisdom, and embedded in some religious traditions was this holistic perspective and paradigm that is emergent in the way we're speaking and in other words it's not new and so from that point of view history is repeating itself but for the good if you will but it's yeah. not new it's coming out in a new way because that's the nature of 
reality in such as your film, which is taking our attention and saying, look, folks, this is now inescapable. You've got to deal with this. And if you don't want to do it, deal with it on the quantitative factual level that we're just a spaceship hurling through uh, space, then let's look at it from the point, aesthetic point of view of beauty. Look at mm. this beautiful place. And that becomes uh, inspiring in itself, and that evokes that appreciation you so beautifully spoke of before, too. So it's like pushing a bunch of buttons at the same time, you know? And this is all a way of commending you and your your group, uh, the Planetary Collective, who has been so diligent on a shoestring budget, it's amazing what you can do with so little um, to produce this film, because I consider it a beautiful gift. Well, I really appreciate that, Mitchell. One thing I would say, though, is that really all of the work that we do, we, I like to think that we're just framing. That's all we do. We just frame things. The real yeah. work is, is really with the interviewees whose work has just, they've tirelessly worked toward, toward whatever, in, whatever field they're in to the, to the yes. benefit of humanity and not just humanity to yes. life on this planet. And so sure. we really, as a planetary collective, we are literally just bridges. We're taking people whose ideas are profound but maybe not as accessible as they could be and just putting them in a frame where people can... You know, people can get it. And, and, and the thing is, for me, the first point of contact when we talk about the ecological crisis, when we talk about the crisis that our societies face, the crisis that is ultimately a spiritual crisis, the crisis yes. that the first point of contact needs to be awe and beauty and wonder. Yes. This is where <laughs> yeah. we need to start. Because if we, if we start by telling people this you know, this dire situation that we're in. If we start by telling people that, what happens is There's no people listening. just they don't want to hear it. They want to shut down That's right. and, they, and they become paralyzed, and, and rightly exactly. so. But when you start to come at it from this perspective, That's saying, right. you know what, you're part of this larger whole. And, and the exactly. reason that we should do something is not just for human civilization to survive. The reason no. that we should do something is because this is our mother. And this That's is, and we were born, and we've emerged, and we arise within the Great Mother, the Earth, Gaia. And you so, got it. And so it's it's really for me, and, and the great thing about it is, of course, is that we're Gaia. You know, you and me talking right That's now, right. planetary collective, That's all right. the people that we're interviewing, all of our listeners. Not there, separate, the, in other words. Speaking. Not separate. We, yeah. It's not like yeah. there's the Gaia and there's us. We are the Gaia. That's we right. are the very process exactly. now. And, and, and Paul Hawking, one of the great thinkers of our time, who is he's in continuum. Yeah. Paul Hawking talks about something. He talks about this in the most profoundly beautiful way. He says that if you think of the Gaia, you think of the Earth as a whole, and you look at this transition from the cancer cells to the, to the, to the neurons, to the global brain, yeah. we are like the people that are trying to do something about it, we are like this global immune response. We are like white blood cells yeah. that are trying, like, and like the immune system, when there's, a, when there's a pathogen in the body, this decentralized, incredibly intricate immune system comes at that pathogen and transforms That's right. it. That's exactly what we need to be doing. And Paul That's Hawking, right. 
the planetary immune response in his work is just, he's got a fantastic book called Blessed Unrest. Uh, it, he goes into this yeah. in the most wonderful way. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah. I think this is, you know, and, and Continuum, you know, we're trying to address all of this in two hours. <laughs> so we've got a lot yes. of footage. But um, <laughs> right. I, I, sh I shared the trailer with you uh, today, Mitchell, and we will actually be releasing the trailer for Continuum on Friday, Friday the 22nd, this Friday. Excellent, excellent. I'll give you your and contact we'll information. We're out of time, Guy. And this sure. has been a complete delight to have you on A Better World to, uh, you know, help enrich our listeners in these ways because this is profound. It's full of... The true shock and awe, do you know, of yeah. uh, our, our human, our sentient magnificence and the literal miracle uh, that life is itself. And uh, I feel that you're really helping to advance that idea in your, in your work. So I appreciate it. Thank you so what much. What is your contact you. information for uh, you can, Planetary you can Collective and the films? You can contact me directly at Guy, G-U-Y, at planetarycollective.com. Um, and, and we're actually having a launch event in Brooklyn on Friday night. It's an open event. Anyone can attend. It's in Powerhouse Books in Brooklyn from 7 to 10 p.m. We've got live music. Um, there's no cover. And we're going to be premiering the, the launch of the trailer. And we're also launching a Kickstarter, um, which will be on Kickstarter from Friday, that we'll, we need to raise um, $60,000 in order to actually finish post-production of the film and the way you raise it is, is that you can basically buy the film before it's been edited and that mm. money then goes to finish the film and then once the film's finished you get a digital download or a DVD or a Blu-ray and we've got, lo we've got a special edition which is a USB stick with all the different interviews it's a 30 hour special edition it really really goes into depth so please Wonderful. feel free to contact me at guy at planetarycollective.com and um, I'd just like to continue the conversation with anyone who wants to continue the conversation. And I really appreciate um, all of your support and your, and your kind words, um, Mitchell, and, and, and of course, um, Alan as well. Indeed, indeed. Well, you're so welcome, Guy Reed. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for your good work. And we will continue on. We will continue this dialogue. I mean, this is our first time really... We met, of course, but this is our first time really having a, a more in-depth dialogue. And it's obvious we share much. And uh, we'll see how we can uh, collaborate and complement each other over time to continue with our work on this planet. So Wonderful. Thank well, you it was such a pleasure, really. Absolutely. Let everybody know. You'll have the link to this show, so please use it far and wide to help support the work of the Planetary Collective, okay? Thank you so much, Mitchell. I will do. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cheers. Okay, bye-bye now. Cheers. Cheerio, I should say. Bye-bye. <laughs> this is Bye. Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Guy Reed is a young and wonderful, thoughtful, creative man, utterly committed to the health and well-being and consciousness evolutionary uh, consciousness of this planet and all beings on it and beyond. So thank you so much for tuning in. And you all know that you can reach me at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr at abetterworld.net, and join our newsletter at abetterworld.tv and get to be part.
Heart of the Action. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and Tuesday nights at 10.30 on television, also accessible from our website. On that note, let's bring in a little beauty since we've been talking about beauty. And I'll see you all next week.